This is JFM Podcast. Beautiful morning to you, dear, and thank you so much for choosing J101.9 FM. You're on to the show. Let's talk your political, social, political, and current affairs show right here in the city of Just. The time is one minute gone past the hour of nine, and today is the sixth day of December 2023. A beautiful Wednesday. Welcome to the show. My name is Abigail Seaman. There are a lot of stories to look at today, or one that has caught my interest and I'm sure the interest of everyone has to be the tag the accidental bombing in Kaduna State and also we'll look at the plant to state budget speech today and we would be joined by our guest this morning well welcome to the show my name is Abigail Seaman I'm not alone I'm joined by Mikael Misa Mikael good morning to you good morning Abigail good morning to our listener like you mentioned um, the Kaduna state bombing the one the military tagged accidental and they've taken responsibility for it which for me, um, I don't want to say it's a good thing because it makes no sense to bomb a police and say, oh, we did, this was a mistake. However, we know that a certain people or a certain government organization has taken responsibility for it. However, what I would expect going forward is that the persons in charge are brought to book. Um, mistakes like this are too costly to be let go and swept under the carpet. Like in the words of Dr. Dr. Redjun, if you're going to sweep it under the carpet, do not do not walk on that carpet again. If you're going to walk on that carpet again, it means something should be done. And also for the people who have died, the families who are grieving, what would the government do to them? What's, what measures would the government take to ensure things like things do not happen again it's one thing to see probe the people and probe whoever is in charge or responsible for this it's another thing to ensure things like things do happen again this is not the first time i know mistakes do happen however and this is a very interesting start that i saw somewhere recently that even though nigeria is not typically as quote-unquote war we've lost more people to these insurgencies and you know the, the many issues between the military and the terrorists than even countries that are or that are officially at war so it means that you know the government would have to do more um the efforts by the federal government and you know the different um, um military um, agencies as well as security agencies to ensure that nigerians and nigeria is safe i don't want to see spain off but if you are protecting us from terrorists and then you're killing us in the process my question is what difference are you from the people you're protecting us from any betrays i'm hoping that this is brought to book i will see it in the end um we don't just talk about this for two days the government don't just you know make newspaper headlines on mondays on tuesdays and wednesdays and next week you're moving on to something else so we cannot continue to live in a country where law and order is not in place and also you know the the story that seems to be never would never go away because the woman is still in incarceration in bauch estate um you know, remember the, the, what happened with Deborah, where she was, you know, um, um, you know, killed by a mob. Somebody came out to say, "Hey, well, this is bad, and you know, this is unacceptable." And one would think that, well, it's okay for you to condemn a thing if you think it is bad, if it's against your opinion, against your value systems. And this woman came out to say it, and she has been in, in, in incarceration for almost a year now. Our question is, how do you take a law? Again, we, there are different conversations as to whether or not a Sharia law should be applicable to non, to, you know, to, to non-Muslims. But I do not understand how in a society as ours in a supposedly civil in a supposedly liberal society like ours the laws that are supposed to again there are questions to this but let's not go into the nuances of that the laws are supposed to apply to a certain people are being applied to another people it makes no sense and we cannot pretend and wish this away we would have to do something to ensure that law and justice as it should be mm -hmm. not the ones that is on paper and never implemented we continuously talk about making nigeria better making nigeria work and the people whose job it says to uphold law and other are consistently flouting those law and others if the court in 2023 do not know that the sharia law do not apply to non-muslims who else in the whole of nigeria would know what is right to do again i say this 
we cannot continue to live in jungle in a jungle and say there are law and order if the law and order only apply to a certain people and do not apply to others then that is not law and order law is not supposed to be respected of anybody whether tribe position or religion and so far so good it seems as though in nigeria it is whether or not you know persons in power or know people who have money before the law will be either favorable to you or unfavorable i say this again if nigeria would ever work the justice system would have to own up to responsibilities so far so good it is failing us and maybe we should find something else good morning good morning i agree with what you've said this morning Emeka, and i hope that uh, <clears throat> it's not another talk and um, actions are being taken well um a routine airstrike by the army intended to attack terrorists hit some civilians during a religious celebration at tudumbury village um, Afaka Ward or Regasa District in Ibagi, local government area of Kaduna State. Now, um, the President Bola Metunibu has ordered the Torah probe to prevent a reoccurrence as Kaduna State Governor Obasani did yesterday. And the army also apologized for its error in bombing worshippers in Kaduna State. And this morning we're joined to look into the issue and see. Um, Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what to target. If it's the negligence negligence of the army or unprofessionalism of the army, or whatever we should target as. And this morning we're joined by Mr. Nangag Garba. Lovely morning to you. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Good morning. It's good a morning. pleasure being here. That's good to have you. Um, you saw the incident that happened. Um, it was a drone, according to the military. Um, a lot of people thought that it was done by the Nigerian Air Force because when it comes to drone. Um, drone the first person your mind goes to has to be the air force um for the military who are now coming to say yes we were the ones who did it my first question is um i was having a conversation with someone yesterday and the person was taking was surprised and said oh we have a drone that can do that and why have we been able to tack in, tackle insecurity in our country um i'm throwing that question to you <laughs> i'm throwing that question to yeah. you too well, well, I think there are several factors. First and foremost, um, we commiserate with the people of that community, yeah, the Kaduna State Government, mm -hmm. and Nigerians as a large, because the people who were killed were actually Nigerians. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's, uh, it's a sad scenario uh, to have a thing of that magnitude. I, I think since we began to have accidental airstrikes, mm -hmm. this seems to be the highest number of casualties. Um, then back to the question. I, I, I think there are many factors that uh, gets me thinking and asking a lot of questions. Mm. Number one, if you check within 2001 to date, we have had about 10. This is the 10th airstrike, accidental airstrike. Mm. And usually it is expected when you have incidences, you learn from them. Exactly. So, so why do we have a scenario where the casualty rates are growing, you know, and the accidental mishaps are becoming far more catastrophic. It's, it's a question that needs to be answered. Uh, first and foremost, well, congratulations, we have drones. But, but with drones, for somebody like me coming from that industry where technology is our being, um, it, it makes you ask more questions. Yeah. Because drones are precision tools you know they are, they are they are they are designed to hit targets especially when properly programmed um, for you to have scenarios like that it, it depicts a failure in certain parts of the nigerian system or the nigerian architecture and for example i was at a drone exhibition early this year sometime in london you, you have drones that the AI capabilities, mm. the artificial intelligence capabilities, the real-time kinetics are as precise as 0 0.01 that, of that, a meter. That is, that is to show the preciseness of a drone. Very precise. Mm. And these drones are programmable to an extent that you could actually ins impute things like facial recognitions. Okay. Yeah. And I think one of our problems as a country is our data collection our data statistics is very poor mm. because in a sane country or in a sane society where everything works everybody's image is basically captured in a database yeah and uh, no drone 
when properly programmed, would hit a target or hit somebody who... It's not meant to. It's not meant to. Mm. So it tells us that there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Our intelligence gathering mechanism, I think, seems to be slightly faulty mm. because um, this margin of error, it's, it's not acceptable in 2023. And as you mentioned, it's the tent accidental airstrike. Yeah, it's, it's the tent. We had if, in Zamfara. Before yes. now, Zamfara was the highest with, I think, about 64 mm. casualties. And we, we have heard in Niger. Mm. We have heard in Kaduna. We have heard in Yobi. We have, we have heard in Katsina, you know, where they said they were going after terrorists just between the border of Katsina and Niger. You know, so this accidental things need to stop. Uh, I, I think we need to build on our apparatus for engagements mm. especially of this type and when you hear about accidental drone strikes it's usually in the war-torn environment mm. you know uh, we hear things like that in gaza the gaza strip accidentally hitting you know mm. but we're not at war Th these are basic um security engagements against terrorists mm. so it, we need to be more precise we need to be more deliberate in how we do these things our information gathering systems need to change uh, i also read somewhere where they were talking about um, um the harboring of some mm. of these things i think it's also contributory yeah because you you have communities who own criminals you know mm. they may instead of you know, sending them out. <laughs> but but, 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 but out. sir, um, speaking on that, um, yeah. the, the, the idea that you know some communities protect criminals. Now, yeah. there have been different research and different people have talked about. Sometimes these people don't intentionally want to, right? Yeah. Um, terrorists and you know rebel groups sometimes use force yeah. to ensure that people stay with them. We've seen places where you know they kill them sporadically to say to them, if you provide any form of intelligence to the government, we'll do this to you, and they have no other option. Now we see situations like that where um you know the community seem to be protecting the you know the, the terrorists is it ideal again on a general perspective other than this that the government um you know add them to the lists of casualties of war or should the human rights protection are they supposed to protect every civilian when it comes to issues like this also apply to them i i think it's a two-way thing if you if you blame the government you're going to blame the people because I think our civic responsibilities as Nigerians is not to harbor criminals. And when you look at it, of course, this, this is an extreme situation. But generally, look at the Nigerian space. A person is brought out, he's convicted by a court of law, and you literally see communities come out, you know, calling and eulogizing such people yes. we have a mindset that we need to kill that mindset needs to go we have to have scenarios where we don't reward illegalities we don't reward unproven wealth we don't reward unproven growth you know things like that it's a community thing once and it's it, it, it cuts across every span of the community mm. whether it's religious cycles you know people steal government or loot funds from all kinds of uncivilized <laughs> sources yes. uh, and we celebrate them I, I think this is just a magnified scenario so the people also we need to tell ourselves the reality we need to address the truth and the truth requires that if we have criminals we cannot harbor them you see parents protecting children you know your prob probably because the child becomes the breadwinner in quote mm -hmm. <laughs> you know yeah you know whatever wrong he's doing you are not ready to engage him you you you, you let go of your responsibility mm -hmm. I, I think it's a community thing beyond the fact that there is yes of course there are threats in certain communities if you expose us this is going to happen but beyond that i think we need to stand up together with the government and say no to criminal elements in our society. All right, still stay with security because, of course, I have other conversations. Um, my issue has to deal with Nigerian security's problem. Um, like you mentioned, the this airstrike, even though the government has said that, you know, some terrorists were also killed, but we don't have numbers, except maybe there are numbers somewhere I have not seen. So mm -hmm. if you bomb some terrorists and we don't have numbers, my, my guess, my very hazardous guess is more civilians were killed than, than terrorists, terrorists were killed. The other question is, with Nigeria's insecurity issue, why does it seem as though it never goes away? 
it seems like a recurring decimal. Once upon a time, Boko Haram were the menace we're dealing with. Now, they're not so much in control. We're having other rebel groups, you know, spring up. Why does it seem like as one is as you're killing one, the other is, you know, um, emerging? Of course, there are different theories that explains why this happens. But Nigeria seems to be a peculiar case. It's, it's segmented in a certain area of the country and they seem never to ever go away. Why does it happen? It's systemic. I, I think it's not an isolated problem. You, you can't just pick a component and address it. When we talk about numbers, yes, numbers is a generic term. Uh, everybody talks about numbers. But the application of numbers vary from country to country. Sure. In Nigeria, when you talk about numbers, even numbers that relate to people, people are three-dimensional. They have length, breadth, width. They have names. They have lives they live, you know. These numbers are not captured in their entirety. True. You know, 85 people killed. Who are the 85 people? Nobody's um, telling you names because we don't have data yeah. about that. If we're going to address some of these challenges, data is critical to the development of every country. It, it's senseless, for example, that the last time we had a, con a census was in 2006. You know, we're almost hitting 20 years. Without so without you, you don't even know numbers. When you go to places, people are telling you, oh, Nigerians are 190 million. Another person is telling you 220 million. million. Mm. 30 million is a large number. You know, I met somebody from Malawi. I said, what's the population of your country? She said, 18 million. I said, that's a state in Nigeria. That's Lagos, you know. So for you to estimate such a number, it shows some level of unseriousness. Mm. We need to have specifics. We need to know who are the people in communities. That's the only way we're going to address these security challenges. We need to be more distributive or disruptive in technology. We, we need to have the numbers accurate, you know, for us to be able to address some of these challenges. If, if you don't do that, I wonder why... And you said we're going to talk about budgets. I, I wonder how they do budgets. <laughs> Without numbers. Without numbers. Without numbers, yeah. You, you um, understand. Before, you don't. before we move to the budget part, you, you talked about censors. Um, yes. A lot of people have also questioned the 2006 census. People mm. have said that the numbers that we've gotten from almost all the states where mm. politics is wise, yeah. um, almost 20 years after... Less than 20 years after, we still don't have censors. We're supposed to have one this year. However, I, always use, I like to use this word, Nigerian happened to it. And I, we, you're not I, going I, to have. I don't know whether I should, I should agree with Nigerian. <laughs> we use the money to do something Nigeria else. happened to it. We know this to conduct elections. We know the censors again. That's what we did. Um, um, with regards to our data gathering process, yeah. how can we fix it? Is it a national problem? Is it a local problem? Is it a state problem? Is it the data collection problem is it data analysis problem where exactly are we missing it in terms of our data as a country because every single time we talk about for example we want to talk about the budget for education we can't say for example how many children there are in nigeria we can't say how many children are supposed to be in school in nigeria so like you also mentioned how do you make how do you make budgets without data where do we fix this data problem how exactly do we get it right especially when it comes to short-term goals for us you know, in IT, when we are trying to solve in programming, when you're trying to solve problems, we have an approach we call the divide and conquer yes. strategy. So what you do is pick the entire whole, break it to micro modules yes, and aggregate it to the top. You know, and, and that's what we need to do. It starts from the basic communities, you know, aggregate these numbers. Who are the people in your community? How many are adults? How many are children? What is the death rate in your community hospitals, you know? And take it all up, you know, before it hits the top at the center. Uh, I think that would address it. Then I also see one of the problems, it's uh, a lack of synergy because, because you, you find replication of data yeah. all over the Nigerian space. INEC has data. Um, the National uh, Identity Management System has data. data. You go to the immigration service, they have their own data. If we could just aggregate all of this together, I, I think it would help address that with what we have at the medicals. We would find out the idea of a census may not even totally be necessary mm. if we aggregate these things from the various components to the top. Mm. And, and that's, it's, it translates to everything. It translates to development. It translates to the issue of security. 
I live in a place. If I see a stranger, I know who the stranger is. Who is this guy coming into our community? You know, you could nearly predict the attitudes and the attributes of every person who lives within your domain. Once we can address that, I think it's going to deal with a large chunk of the things we are facing right. as a country. Now, before we move to the budget, um, I have maybe two questions. And yeah. it's based off security. As you mentioned, um, the fact that this is the 10th accidental bombing yeah. and um, all we get is apologies. We apologize. Um, we take faults and we apologize. But we do not see that the actual measures when it comes to curbing this so that it doesn't happen again. We don't see that in place. Um, for you who have uh, who have an idea of what drones are supposed to do and what these accidents, uh, accidental um, airstrikes have done to us as a people, how then can we address the issue? Because who knows? I'm not being a prophetess of doom. Who knows? There might be an 11th, a 12th, or a 13th if we do not fix the root cause. So how do we how do we come out of this? Yeah, yeah I, I I think. Be beyond the issue of uh, an apology, and mm -hmm. an, an apology is not supposed to be sorry is not supposed to be a noun. It's not, not yeah. a name. It's supposed to be a verb. Mm -hmm. it, it's supposed to be backed by action. Yeah. In, in most times, when you apologize, it's backed by rehabilitation. It's backed by compensations. Mm -hmm. It's backed by retraining so that you don't have such scenarios coming up again. again yeah. You know. So that needs to be done. The communities affected need they need to be compensated. They mm -hmm. need to be taken care of. They they, they need to be reeducated. The general public, I agree, still needs to be reeducated. Mm -hmm. But there's a large chunk of work that needs to be done in those rural communities because where you see these kinetic engagements are in mostly rural communities. Yeah, rural it's communities. not in the urban. Uh, regions where things are fairly stable and working mm -hmm. at its best. So we, we need to do that. Um, people need to be held responsible and accountable of their actions. Um, mistakes are triggered by something. You, you know, you know? Uh, one of my friends said, what, our greatest problem in Nigeria is the word sorry. When they <laughs> tell you sorry, sorry actually means, yes, I'm guilty, but just let me go. Mm. <laughs> sorry should hold you accountable for what you have done mm. because there are always repercussions for the things you have done. All right, let's talk about um, the structure when it comes to the military. And um, I want to use the drone because I've, I've got a question and I'm hoping that I'm sure other listeners want to get um, yeah. an understanding. Mm. When it comes to flying a drone, do you need um, the go-ahead from the Air Force to fly a drone? And apart from that, for the military, and it seems like this is just a show of unprofessionalism and a, a lack of intelligence report right there. Um, would you say that if there were, I, I don't want to, I don't know if I should use the word systematic synergy, but if there were synergy, would this have happened? And, and I think that's where I think accountability needs to come in. Mm. Of course, before such engagements were made, there must have been intelligence you yeah. know, that had been shared. And um, response time is, is also key when, you, when you're looking at intelligence. Mm. When you're using drones, like I said, you have post-process kinetics, you have uh, real-time kinetics where the engagement takes place. So based on these two parameters, the timing is critical. Mm. You don't... Uh, and, <laughs> you know, it, it's something in Nigeria that you face. You have criminals probably raiding a community. Yeah. The response time between the action and the various security agencies, it's so large a gap that at the end of because the day... Because according to these yeah. incidents, they were worshippers who yeah. were celebrating. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm sure that um, if, if the terrorists had uh, gone out to do an attack, it yeah. was long before that. Yeah, and, and I'm sure, you, you know, that's why I said accountability needs to be put into play. Mm. Drones have high precision cameras you know you are able to see what's going on on the ground mm. it, it, it's not it's not you're not you're not attacking in the dark yeah. you know and, and that's why i question the happenings how much intelligence did you get were you was it a real-time engagement if it was you would have seen what is going or probably 20 minutes after or some other time after you just decided to shoot at what and they said, and according to, to according to a person who was there said it happened twice okay 
that it wasn't just once. once. So if it was once, we we probably permit me to say we we could have excused the whole. Um, Excuse the whole, yes, it was accidental. Yeah. But that it happened twice. And I'm sure she mentioned that the cameras that are on that drones were possibly able to see that these yeah. people were in celebratory mood. Yeah. Yeah. So for you having that, doesn't that show a function of what, a lack of structure when it comes to the military? For, for me, in three years, for you to have 10 of such accidents, mm. constant apologies, some denials, yeah. you know, it's not acceptable. We should go better than this. The casualties should reduce, not, not even increase. increase yeah. You know, so it tells you certain things are not working properly. Yeah, every airspace is usually regulated. Drones have a flight height, you mm. know, but of course, they're usually regulated by the space agent managers but agencies yeah. you know to ensure that you don't have collusion of um of machines of planes and drones yeah. uh, within various heights they are defined heights for this thing so of course definitely i know those type of things would have been looked at but i i think it's Data gathering was not properly done. Properly done. It wasn't properly And when done. it comes to punishment, as we would always see, we do not see that these people are brought to book. Um, as, I, as I said earlier, it's, yeah. almost, it's almost like you can project or predict the 11th or the 12th or the 13th. And um, for you, I wanted to ask, um, if, if we put out corporate or corporal punishment for things like that, would it make things better? It would. It would. There's a saying, punish one to teach a hundred. Mm. <laughs> I, I think it's very applicable in the Nigerian space. Mm. Uh, we, we cannot afford to have 85 people dead and faceless and then have a perpetrator or perpetrators faceless. It, it's not acceptable if we want to move forward. If we definitely want yeah. to move forward. Then we'll move over to talking about the Plateau State Budget 2024 budget this morning. And this morning we're joined by Mr. Peter Lambert. A lovely morning to you and welcome to the show. Good morning, Abigail. Good morning, Emeka. Good morning. It's good to have you here. So we will begin and try to see, um, try to understand what the project is all about again. And um, the only <laughs> uh, official document that we have seen, I don't know if there's another another one. another one out there. It has to be the budget speech in which um, the the governor tendered into the House of Assembly. That was seventh of November, twenty twenty three. So I don't know if there's another official document that is out there for people to get their hands on and um, read on it. Um, I'm asking. Okay, thank you, Abigail. Well, of course there is. Mm. Once the budget um, goes to the draft budget goes to the members, yeah. what happens is that uh, they go through it and they approve it. Mm. Or they reject it or they amend it or they do any change they want to on the draft budget and then they now um, release the appropriation bill. Okay. So apart from the submission by the governor to the House of Assembly of um, $295 billion, yeah. the House of Assembly um, uh, has released the appropriation bill of um, $314 billion, showing that um, some amendments were made mm. and the budget increased with about um, $19.4 billion. Why is there an increase? Um, well, of course, <laughs> that is their own uh, function. Mm. They are supposed to go through the budget, make amends where needed. Sometimes some budget could come and then they will reduce it. Mm. It depends on the administration's priority and it depends on how the house, they are autonomous, remember, they are allowed to go through yeah. um, the details of the budget and make some amendments. But basically, amendments were made um, and the appropriation bill came out with a 314.1 billion, indicating that uh, 19 billion shows that um, they have increased or they have amended the capital expenditure, mm. where some increase were made, and also in the running cost, the recurrent expenditure. Basically, um, about um, 13 billion was added to the capital, which okay. is more of investment to the state, and then some six billion were also added to the recurrent expenditure indicating the need to have some increment in the running cost of governance right. i already have <laughs> one question before emika um, speaks so yes. the numbers are running in billions um yes. and um for the layman it's a yes. it's an exclamation of a year <laughs> <laughs> yes so how do how does the the plateau state government intend to fund 
this project, okay. this 2024 project. Okay, first of all, uh, Abigail, maybe I'll take you through. This uh, 2024 budget has some principles that okay. uh, the state government has tried to adopt. These principles include the mobilization of um, revenue or receipts, most especially from, first of all, from federal government. Okay. And then the mobilization of um, its revenue that comes from taxation. Um, but tax, uh, naturally, for the past or five or ten years, the IGR has remained below 20 billion. But for 2024, the state government is targeting about 40 billion. In fact, to be specific, 38 it's billion. billion. Mm. Yes. So with that, you see that it's almost doubling. Yeah. It's um, IGR. Also, the revenue that comes from the federal government in the form of um, some funds like intervention funds that come like uh, universal basic mm. um, to the primary education, the state government intends to intensify its efforts to ensure that previous year's areas are also tapped. You know, these funds, some of them are basically counterpart fundings. Um, some are 10%, some are 50. Some could range from zero to 50 or even uh, a matching grant that we call 100 for 100 or one for one ratio where any amount you sink into that fund, yes. the federal government gives you an equal amount. Okay. So, but for UBEC, that Universal Basic Education Fund, yeah. is basically um, a 50% uh, kind of counterpart. So if um, there are funds with the federal government and they are worth 10 billion, mm. all the state needs to do is to um, pay 10 billion and receive 10 billion. Mm. And they will now have a, um, fund uh, basket of 20 billion yeah. for, education. for primary education. education. Mm. So the state government int intends to do that. And if you look at the funds that are coming from loans and other grants and other um, um, uh, counterpart uh, funds, the state has targeted 105 billion for that. All right, so um, speaking, yes, of course, yes. always in billion. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the figures are just ringing. Just yeah, yeah. So speaking about the um, Yes. Capital receipts, like say, one five billion. Yes. How much is debt and how much is non-debt? Well, it's almost a ratio of fifty-fifty. Uh, the debt uh, in that uh, package is about fifty-five billion. Okay. And the non-debt is about fifty billion. billion. Now, that is plus or minus. You know that um, the House of Assembly initially has um, uh, made uh, some changes on the expenditure. Yes. But the most important part that I wanted to talk about is the fact that the state government has come out with some forms of um, principles before the 2024 budget. Like I've mentioned, the revenue mobilization. The next one is the quality of spending. Okay. The state government intends to go into a huge um, improvement in its quality of spending. Mm. Now, what do we mean by that? that um, any fund that is coming from a donor fund, from a loan, from any other source, cannot be used for payment of salaries anymore. They are supposed to go into real investments. They're supposed to go into investment expenditures, not consumption expenditures, as uh, it were. You know, they needed to make some consumption expenditures to, yeah. cut, to take care of palliatives, yes. to also take care of areas of uh, salaries, yeah. where also loans are, or borrowings were made to pay salaries, but the, uh, in 2024, the state government does not intend to borrow money and then pay salaries mm -hmm. and run its own cost. So it intends to ensure that um, once um, monies are borrowed, funds are borrowed, mm -hmm. they will go straight into capital expenditures or investment expenditures. All right. Um, yes. in, in, in the budget speech by the governor, he made mention of some of the you know basic things this government would be looking at, and I'm just going to read them out and then ask questions in line with that. Okay. He made mention of good governance, peace, security, and justice, education, and human capital development. Yes. He made mention of public health, environment, and mineral development. He made mention of infrastructure and industrialization, and he also made mention of taxation and reserve um, 
as a reserve mobilization, right? Yeah. But the first question is the chunk of these budgets. Yes. Of course, every budget in Nigeria. Again, I'm going to use some of the speech because I don't have details of the you know appropriation bill okay. from the from the speech the, the the governor made. He said that you know recurrent expenditure has always been in the budget in Nigeria. Yes. It's taken about fifty six point three percent, fifty three point three percent of the budget. Why capital expenditure is taking about forty six point six percent. Now in right. twenty twenty three budget, we had the current expenditure taking about 56.12%. So it means that there is a reduction by 3% of recurrent expenditure. However, the difference between 2023 and 2024 is about 145. So it therefore means that recurrent expenditure is also taking more money than it did last year. Why we have more money in recurrent expenditure this year, in 2024, than we did in 2023? Okay, that's a very important question. If you look at the budget of the Federation itself, the national budget, where the federal government intends to spend about um, uh, 27 point, uh, about 27 trillion naira. If you look at the ratio of debt and non-debt, you see that everything in the federal government budget is one-third, one-third, one-third. 9.9 billion for recurrent expenditure, 8 point something billion to settle debt and debt uh, and non-debt. You know, what we are having now is the state intends to reduce it, its debt uh, profile. profile by ensuring that they come up with a debt sustainability plan. Because what happens to most of what we have as a, as a liability is that it eats up what we are supposed to use for investment. Mm. And therefore, the state intends to reduce that so that subsequent years, if it's possible, they can reschedule such liabilities mm. and also have funding for investment. So the pattern of the national budget is being followed by all states. Is it a compulsory to reduce the pattern? It's not really compulsory. It is the nature of our economy. It's the nature of our economy. The federal government is trying to settle 8 trillion naira liabilities and is borrowing 8 trillion naira again. Did you see the equation? Yes. In the 27 uh, trillion, the federal government is borrowing over 8 trillion and intends to what? liquidate a trillion so it's just in and out mm. what right. is left is a constant small package for investment and the capital investment is not more than seven trillion so if you look at the content of the capital uh, budget itself of the federation you should be able to when the details are out we should be able to separate which aspect is even an investment expenditure they have come up with a huge amount for defense now, if you invest, what does defense? What do you have after a huge trillion given to defense? What do you have at the end? Is it an investment? Yes, it's an investment in human beings, but it's not an investment in the economy directly. It's not a direct investment. It's for protection, to encourage, to enable the economy to create the environment for investment. But it is not a direct investment. And if in the 27 trillion budget, you are, you are budgeting almost 5 trillion or 3 point something trillion for defense, mm. then it tells you how much. Though most nations that are already advanced have more of their budgets, the American government has the highest budget for defense. <laughs> but the, the American economy, government. But the economy <laughs> is, is different from ours. Yeah. Ours is more rudimentary. Theirs is advanced. advanced. Mm. So, and they also want to take care of global peace. Yeah, while we yeah are taking care of local peace. peace. Can I have a manager DJ here? Lock, yes. Local <laughs> peace is what we're trying to manage. All right. Uh, uh, my next question has to be yes. the budget for health. Um, I, I ask this question because one of the biggest issues we've had is that, you know, we've seen, like, I saw in news yesterday that health workers in different states are migrating in their numbers. I also saw that, you know, even lecturers are migrating in their numbers these Correct. days because, mm. you know, there's no money on ground. However, the state government budgeted 5 billion, let me confirm, 5 billion naira for... Billion. 5 billion naira for health. However, in admin, um, which, again, you, like you mentioned before, is for construction... East Wales, $22 billion. Yes. The other big question is, why is it that law and justice has $6.819 billion and health has $5 We're billion? Cases. Exactly. What is the $6.81 billion for justice for? And why is health is supposed to be for human development? Like he mentioned in his speech, that is for human development. Yes. Is getting less than law and justice? What are we paying for law and justice for? Okay. Um, 
Jamaica is very straight. Okay. The administration intends to look at um, a canker worm or a virus that's destroying the, every administration that comes to the state. If you see the quantum and the volume of Ganeshi um, uh, uh, basket, where uh, the state government has been sued by every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Hundreds into hundreds, stopping the activities of government because of one contract or the other. You are aware of several cases that the government has been in with several companies because of contracts. Yes. yes. By previous yes. breaches of contracts. Yes. You find out that all these hamper the development of the state. And therefore, the Ministry of Justice. Of course, you know that even the governor is a barrister. Yeah. So he has looked into such cases and has said, okay, let's come out with a justice revolution in the state, where, first of all, the Ministry of Justice will be taken care of. So this is to come up with a huge, a huge um, complex for the Ministry of Justice, just as the ones we've seen in River States and other states of the Federation last year or this year. They've been launched, even by the federal government. So they are coming up with a huge building to take care of that and in the building of course there will be people we are looking at hiring a quantum of lawyers to take care of the problems we have so many courts in plateau state but where is justice we are the state we're one of the states that have so many courts so many levels of courts but if you see how cases linger for years some children inherit cases from their parents where is the justice so their governor, their administration have looked at this and have said, why not now come up with something? And the idea is to come up with a big Ministry of Justice complex, very big building, and then big uh, other courts, and then um, hiring a lot of lawyers to take care of that. We're looking at 300 to 500 lawyers to be so in once this building is completed. So I think I think if according to what you're saying is is we should we should take that one because there's going to also be an employment of over 300 of lawyers. Precisely so. the point. Well, know? at the detriment of um, the dilapidations of our health facilities. Yes. In the state. Yes. <laughs> no, not really at the detriment of the um, uh, this. You know, uh, there is a pattern the mm. administration wants to take. Okay. You know. Um, contributions or expenditures in the social sector mm. justice health education yeah so what do they bring back you should be able to balance this we're looking at the economy the economy if you look at the investment have you looked at roads mm. have you looked at water you know what the administration is doing is to get some frontliners some drivers in the economy that will help us multiply development and the gross domestic product of the state in the presence of some social benefits to mm. also the people. So you should try you should try and strike a balance. Uh, you feed your children and they go to the <laughs> shop after school maybe. Yes. So where are you going to invest your money? Mm. Are you going to feed them fine and then the shop is empty? Mm. Mm. So the government is trying to do that as a layman's illustration. My, my last yeah. question. Yes. Sorry for okay. me, sir. Yes. So my last question before both of you answer. I know it's yes. supposed to be from the government's budget, yes. Agreek is taking ten point one eight billion. Correct. Um, administration construction of roads is taking twenty two point one eight seven billion. Correct. Education is taking about ten billion. While health is five billion. Correct. Uh, the IGL for twenty twenty four has been um, you know earmarked for thirty eight point thirty six billion. Correct. So here's my again my simple mathematical question: mm -hmm. If we're investing all of this in Agreek and in infrastructure. Are we saying in 2025 the IGL would be increased? Because, like you also mentioned, one of the things the government is doing is to ensure that people are taxed as they should and investments are done. Are we going to be expecting an increase in IGR in 2025? Or are we going to see the same thing where 38% is earmarked, 12% is gotten from IGR? Because, like you mentioned several times, we always earmarked plenty of money, end of the year, we know this money for IGR. Yeah. What exactly is the projection in the next four years with this government? Increase in IGR such that we don't have to depend on a hundred and five sorry, 151 billion from FAC. Because if there's no FAC, it means that we basically have nothing in the state. Yes. 
you can see the ratio of the contributions of all the revenues are different this time around. Mm. Revenues from FAC, 151 billion. Yes. Jamaica, you just have our figures in your head. <laughs> you know, uh, the latest thing is to switch between centrally um, hand-built revenue. States that have progressed in the nation have also turned down areas that come from federal government in terms of revenue and have looked inwards. Lagos, yes, River State, even Kano State. If you look at some few states around Plateau, they have moved forward. Nasara State is moving forward. Bauchi is moving forward. Gombe, they are moving forward. Why? What they are getting is what they can get from within. They are thinking within. They are not waiting for federal government fund. And we are also taking that kind of pattern. What sectors are you looking at specifically? So we are looking at IGR growing at a minimum of 15% every annually. annually. That's our target. So from this 38 billion, we are looking at it growing by 15% in, in 2025. Okay. And then we continue from that standpoint as a minimum standard to have the IGR grow in the state. We are hoping that mm. that will happen. By the time we connect the markets, by the time government connect the markets, local markets, the, the local uh, farmers have uh, access to mm. roads. And then um, there's improvement in water supply. And there's also improvement in, um, in education. And you know, the other aspect that government needs revenue is there is a direct investment that government will go into mineral yes. exploration. Mm. But, but that's an executive list. So how does the government exactly profit from that? Yes, um, uh, there's a revamping of the Plateau State Mineral Development Company that will take place next year. From that, government intends to uh, ensure that uh, the value chain in the mineral sector takes place within the state. Okay. Even the miners of team will have uh, an organized market and government can tap revenue. And then other precious materials that are gotten will, will have a lot of laboratories and a lot of uh, machinery they are able to clean some of these minerals before they leave. Even in the agricultural sector, mm. you know, coming of the rail and other things in the state, government is looking at the value chain in agriculture itself, where whatever that is going to leave just for cities like Lagos and Port Harcourt, some of the value chain is gotten here, packaging takes place, some form of processing also takes place before these uh, produce leave the state. What we do is that we allow all these things to go out raw. Tomatoes are packaged even unclean from the farm mm -hmm. to the market. Mm -hmm. So what, what if we create uh, whatever happens in Lagos is just packaging. And then they make most of the money. So right. this is what the state government intends to have. From now, they will start that with the potato value chain and mm -hmm. then going down with tomatoes and other farm produce. Do you know that we produce strawberries in just? Yeah, yes, we do. So we produce mm -hmm. other things. you know that the floral market yes. of the whole North Central is mm -hmm. in Plateau State? Yeah. We produce a lot of flowers with the greenhouse. And then we have other um, um, uh, revamping that will take place next year, the ASTC. Mm -hmm. Government intends to look at the ASTC for improved agricultural production. What is ASTC for the layman out there? Uh, ASTC is uh, just a project by the state government where um, they created a company, an agricultural company that uh, improves on the variety of animal and farm pro and uh, 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 plant produce in the state. You know that currently we also produce apples. In the yeah. State. Yeah. So the state government intends to go into most of uh, these uh, projects to ensure that we make the best use of them. Right. I hope that this um, intentions here. Sorry? These intentions, uh, as you've mentioned. Well, these are intentions. Intentions. Uh, yes. Budget is an intention. Is an intention. I hope that yes. we, we get to see it at the end of um, the yes. administrative year. Yes, oh. we all hope so. We hope so too. Even uh, from the federal, you know, the environment for the economy is not only what happens within the state. Mm. Sure. Uh, you, you should be able to look at the national budget. Mm. Um, given to the house the national assembly last week by the president yes of 27 trillion yeah. mm. and if you look at the breakdown like i've told you <laughs> you can see that we'll be paying a debt of seven trillion money pay debts collect debts <laughs> that's that's what we're doing so uh, exchanging hands we're yeah. recycling that but we pray that things will improve yes yeah, yeah, NS, NS desires go ahead i, I, I think one of our problems 
looking at budgets from 1999 to date, um, yes. forgive me if I don't sound pleasant, but it has always been a scenario of copy and paste, mm. if I can use that word. <laughs> uh, you see these budgets come up yes. with fantastic nomenclatures, mm. fantastic names, you know, budget of uh, restoration, budget of redemption. Well, you, you, you always know. have nice you names. Know, this is the, new, the new yeah. beginning, right? Exactly. Yeah. This, for the stage, the new beginning. The new yeah. beginning. For the national budget of hope. hope. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, but even then, I think we need to get serious with our budgeting. Uh, and um, getting serious simply means we need to prioritize where we're throwing our monies into. Sure. Of course, addressing inflation can be addressed by splashing money at the problem. But it should be splashed correctly. True. Yes. The American inflation of 1930, for example, the government decided, okay, let's throw money to infrastructural development. Of course, infrastructures created jobs, yes. which had a replica effect on, on the economy. Mm. We need to move governance from this big brother syndrome. The government is doing this, is doing this. We need to have a scenario. Globally, the thinking is no longer centralization. You understand? Okay. It, it's 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 decentralization. You you try to build micro units that are empowered in themselves to address other issues of the society. Nobody is looking up to government in most places to get things done. What you, what you, when you say nobody's looking up, what do you exactly mean? When you have a working economy, mm. investors drawing building their capital markets, building their industries. They are the ones who mop up whatever issues are required within the economy. But, but that only happens when the government have put some certain things in place. I agree. And, and that's why it needs to change. From 99 till now, it's still the same thing. We still look at certain infrastructural developments that draws you to government not to certain players in the industry for uh, example okay yeah let me give you an, a scenario Go ahead. Uh, because of our time you make that in 40 seconds oh, yeah yeah yes he made mention of astc yeah the government has its ministry of agri i think astc needs to be a private entity it is and let the people draw from it it is ASTC the, a I, i'm trying to understand then yes. why we have a scenario where government is calling a private investment part of its recurrent investment it needs to move from that decentralize these things let them be run by private entities the reason why we have certain critical components of government being run is because of this big brother effect the aviation industry is run purely by government the power industry run purely by government yeah. so you have a scenario where government keeps subsidizing things let's move from that let's move from that and then another thing if the only thing you have is a hammer, you treat everything like a nail. Forgive me, I am saying this in relation to the justice issue. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm in Nigeria. I still need to be reorientated why six billion should go to the judiciary. What you mentioned were infrastructural developments, which still falls under basically the Ministry of Works. We need to do things in a manner that would make sense and would carry the entirety of the plateau well i agree yeah. with you but one thing that i've told you the other parts of the principle behind 2024 you mm. know this is a new beginning mm. so you know how in 40 seconds to lay foundation Mr. Peter Lamba. for whatever yes so yes, now what we have here is part of what government intends to do to transit from what you're saying is to have what we call partnership and co-creation in this partnership and co you know you can't just transit from a purely state-owned to now privately owned, there must be an interface yeah. where we transit. And the state government has created this opportunity for a PPP partnership, public-private uh, I mean, uh, partnership, and then a co-creation where the private sector will exist with the public sector, and they move onto this link is um, is, uh, is 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 transformed right. into a u.s based kind of thinking mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we sincerely want to apologize to our listeners for not picking your calls or reading your comments because of our time the conversation was a bit interesting and i hope that you enjoyed every bit of it we want to thank you so much mr nanka garba for coming on the show and thank you it's so much pleasure. mr L peter lambert for coming it's on the show the news comes up by 10 o'clock you want to keep it nice locked on to j101.9 fm for myself do make sure you have a lovely wednesday from me state of trouble spread love and seek the truth. Good morning.
Thank you for listening to JFM Podcast.